G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. There are some buzzwords out there today like tolerance and equality, but they have no bearing to their classic dictionary definition. In today's program, we're going to see something of what is called true equality, where everybody wins. Our series is entitled Heartfelt and inspired Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary, part of our larger Understanding the Bible series. We are looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and both chapters 8 and 9 have to do with giving. There's grace in the gospel, there's grace to grow in Christ, there's grace to love in faith, to care, to serve, to be able to do all kinds of things that were not possible in the natural. And one of the graces God teaches us is giving. Because after all, that's what God does. In the most famous Bible verse of all time, John 3.16, it tells us, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Those that love are those who give. And what we're looking at in this particular segment, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 to 18, it talks about what I call true equality. Now, remember, there is, of course, among elitists, their own definition of equality and their own definition of tolerance. Neither of these have any bearing or resemblance to classic dictionary definitions. For the dictionary says that to be having equality is the state of being equal in status, rights, opportunities, and basically fairness, equal rights, equal opportunities, equity, egalitarianism, even-handedness, and justice. Now, that's equality. But what we want to see here is that there is balance. And without divine balance, we go off course. And something that's meant to be good is turned to something very evil. So, yes, we need some balance. And the intention of this particular exhortation is not that the receivers of the gifts can have it easy cruising along while the Corinthians are carrying the burden. No, the whole idea would be just. What they're looking for is true biblical equality. When you have been blessed with surplus, don't hoard it to yourself where moth and rust and thieves come in, break through, and steal. If you have been blessed with surplus, allow some of that surplus to help others who are less fortunate. This is the kind of attitude that brings true equality. And then Paul quotes from the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 16, verses 18 and onward. Here, the background is the children of Israel 
were given manna on a daily basis. They were to gather manna according to the number of people in their household, or basically according to their need. And when people gather in this way, those who gather a lot, because they have a large household, have nothing left over. And those who gather little have no lack. But then it goes on to something very personal. We thank God for Titus. Titus was Paul's faithful companion and protege. And here Titus showed as much care for the Corinthian church as did Paul himself. He obviously had an excellent mentor. His devotion and care was so exemplary that basically he was Paul in proxy form, having the same diligence as the noted apostle. This is what I call equality of attitude. His idea to help the Corinthians in giving and taking the relief offering for Jerusalem is equality of commitment and vision. And for true equality, he brought along a popular companion, unnamed, who would help in the work of giving the relief offering. This is equality in companionship and in burden bearing. Let's read the pertinent passage now in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 to 18. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 to 18. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward, of his own accord he went unto you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 to 18. Our lesson here is entitled, True Equality. Now, as I said before, there is in the public square, particularly in what they might call the cultural civil war, those on one side of the plank who talk about tolerance and equality. But again, they're not talking about it in its classic form. It has a different agenda altogether. I do believe in being observant and where led by God engaged with culture, not to emulate it or to be corrupted by it, but to let the light shine so that people in the culture can come to Christ. That should be all our goals. We who are born again. With equality, what it really means is that everybody who has a need, it will be met under, of course, some clear godly conditions, and everyone has surplus, has the ability to contribute. But remember, unlike certain ideologies, which are trying to, shall we call, expropriate or force people to give to others that are technically less endowed than them, this is a different story, because attitudinally, it is godly motivated, it is voluntary, it is willing, and of course you get God type of results. When it's a human ideology, you do not get God type of results, even if superficially the action of giving from the rich to the poor seems to be the same. So we have a balance here. First of all, 
This is not intended, this giving by the Corinthians to give relief to the church at Jerusalem so that the Corinthians are sweating it out while the people receiving the relief are just cruising along. That is unjust. This is not, shall we say, an ongoing day-after-day thing, some grand system. The Bible teaches private charity, and private charity in conjunction with other biblical principles of finance, guaranteed everybody will win. When you don't keep the principles of the scripture when it comes to finance, because somehow we think we know better than God or we're just plain ignorant of his principles, then we get a lot of complications and we all lose. So let's take a look here. When it talks about biblical equality, verse 14, it says, your surplus should match their deficit. Their surplus should match your deficit. When it's all finished, everyone comes out, even Stephen. So basically, when you have been blessed with a surplus, then give that surplus to those in need, if that need is made known to you. Likewise, if they have a surplus and you're in need, do likewise. But again, it is voluntary, not by manipulation, compulsion, arm twisting, or expropriation by government agencies. That is not biblical. What is biblical is to teach, flow in the grace of God, and then give as led by the Holy Spirit. This kind of attitude, when you have a surplus, you help the needy. When they have a surplus, they help you. Everybody wins. Everybody gets true equality. Now we go to verse 15 which is a direct quote from Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. Let me read to you from this passage of Exodus 16, and I'm going to begin with verse 15 through to verse 18. Basically, this is talking about the manna in the wilderness. God provided bread from heaven for his people. Obviously, they had a need. They're not going to be able to do agriculture where they were at, so God gave them the bread of heaven. And this is how it works. Verse 15 of Exodus 16 through verse 18. When the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Every man is to gather of it according to what he will eat. And Omer, For every man, according to the number of your people, every man should take for them for what or whoever lives in his tent. The children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. When they measured it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing left over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according what he could eat. So this is Exodus 16 verses 15 to 18. Paul quotes this passage in regard to the generosity of the Corinthians. Remember that again, the background is the children of Israel collected manna according to how many people were in their household, according to their needs. So when the people gathered in this way, those who had many people in the household, a large household, had nothing left over, while those who gather little have no lack. Now, just remember this. We say in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It is an important principle to remember. As long as you are provided for this day, you're doing very well. Many people, of course, 
because of their own insecurity or their discomfort at trusting God for the future. They want to hoard more than what they need. Even here with the children of Israel, those who gathered more than they needed, well, at thinking they're going to save it for the next day and the next day and the next day, found that the worms came in and everything stank. No, we are not to be praying, give us this day all the bread we need for the rest of our lives. Today is sufficient. Why does God do it this way? Because you see, if God somehow gave you all the provision you needed in all areas of your life for the rest of your life, and he gave it to you all in one shot, what's the likelihood that you'd be looking to God and trusting him for your life's provision? And the answer is, well, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be looking to God at all. As long as you have resource you can lean on, it is very tempting not to trust God. So please hear me out, friends. There will come times when our comfort zone will be shaken. And it's not because God hates us and wants us to be miserable and bereft of the necessities of life. No, the fact is many people who belong to the Lord or belong to the church because they're in wealthy Western countries, they don't look to the Lord for provision. They look elsewhere, whether it's to their savings and resources, whether it's to government and government resources. Some of them look even to the lottery, hoping that somehow they'll be set for life if they just get that one winning ticket. But you will never, ever grow victoriously in faith, nor will you be able to withstand the uncertainties of the future until you learn what it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the most important lesson you can learn, full stop, bar none, especially in times of change, challenge, crisis, and chaos. If you want to survive and succeed in the days ahead, A, number one, trust in the Lord. B, hear the words of Jesus and do them because you're building your life on the rock. And C, pray without ceasing and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you like any great life coach could do. But of course, he's far better than any human life coach. Praise God for true equality. Then in verse 16, thank God for Titus. And it reads, thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. So Titus learned from the great mentor Paul himself, not just to be knowledgeable in Christ, but to care, to have like a pastoral heart. And that's a wonderful thing. Unfortunately, we have too many CEOs in the pulpit. We need to return to the pastor, shepherd, leader. And Titus apparently was learning that. Just as God cared for Israel in the wilderness in the days of Moses, so he is also doing in Corinth under the caring, watchful eye of Titus. His devotion and care for the Corinthians was the same as Paul's himself. In fact, as I said earlier, Titus became a proxy for Paul, showing the same diligence that Paul would have shown had he been present. This is equality of attitude. May I just use an example here? We say the governor general in Australia is the queen's representative. Well, he is. That's his constitutional role. But basically what the governor general does, he does everything protocol-wise, executive-wise, legislative-wise. He does everything the queen would do if the queen lived in Australia. So you get a native Australian doing vice-regal functions, and the system works very well. So if we can come up with a better system, fine. 
But in the meantime, what the representation means is he literally does, or she does, what the queen would do, what the crown would do. Well, that's what Titus did. He fulfilled Paul's apostolic and pastoral function as if Paul himself were there. Now, that is wonderful, not just delegation, but replication. Verse 17 talks about Titus's great attitude, equality of attitude. For he, indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. So basically what this is saying is he was very, very thoughtful of how we felt, but his eagerness to go to you and help you with this relief offering was his own idea. Three cheers for Titus. And then the final verse of this lesson, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 18. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. So, in addition to Titus, comes a popular companion. Because the the apostles decide to send this anonymous brother with Titus, someone who is popular in the churches because he was a great gospel preacher. Not only is he a great gospel preacher, he is a very credible companion. So, when you have equality, you have it in vision, you have it in commitment, you have it in attitude, you have it in burden-bearing. This unnamed popular brother is going to share the burden of exhorting and carrying the Corinthian offering to relief in Jerusalem, just like Titus would. Wonderful. So therefore, our lesson is called true equality. And our lesson for life, true biblical equality, lifts everyone up, while the worldly version drags everybody down. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. And also, you can go to our homepage to subscribe to our free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter with articles on scripture, practical Christian living, and current events in the light of God's word. Please join me in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus, that we are more than conquerors, that we can have the grace of giving, that we can have true equality, that he who gathers much has nothing left over, and he who gathers little has no lack. We thank you for all this through Christ our King. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.